The teaching of the last few weeks presents a bit of a problem. We really, we have three things in tension that leave us with the question, how can a Christian be sincere? How is it that a Christian can be obedient from the heart, truly, deeply, really obedient in a relationship with God that is flowing out of deep sincerity? You see, on the one hand, we've had this call upon the Christian, this description of the Christian life, as somebody who has a righteousness that exceeds even that of the Pharisees. They were the really good guys. A goodness that is better than the best. Or as we saw last week, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, not for salvation, okay? Let's just be clear again about that. It's not that we achieve salvation by being good enough. Christians aren't perfect people, therefore God likes them. It's not for salvation, but it is an outcome of salvation. As people who have received the gift that God offers, as people who have repented of their sin and turned back to God, we are recipients of the gift that God gives, the fulfillment that Jesus does of all the promises, including God's Spirit within us to change us and to transform us, to make us into people who are like him. Perfect, as your heavenly father is perfect. And we've seen it in all sorts of different ways, teachings about sexuality and about anger. Last week was that astonishing command to love your enemy. You remember to do good, to bless, to pray for them. So on the one hand, we have that righteousness that Christians are to demonstrate. But on the other hand, we have our own real deep sin. The pride that stands in the way of obedience to God that says, well, I want to do it for show because I wouldn't want people to think poorly of me. The fear that worries that God's ways aren't good enough. Maybe I better do it my own. The laziness. Loving your enemies is hard, hard work. It's much easier to just bear a grudge. So on the one hand, the righteousness we're supposed to have, on the other, our own sin, and on the other, okay, right, three arms, three hands, doesn't quite work, but there's the, well, hang on, for the last few weeks we've had a preacher telling me to do this. How can it be sincere if I'm doing it out of guilt, if I'm doing it out of a sense of obligation, if I'm doing it because I'm told to? And so we end up back in a legalistic morality driven by guilt rather than sincerity. How can Christians be sincere? Now in today's passage in the part of the Bible that we're considering and learning from today, Jesus is teaching really one point. It's broken up across three sections. He, he, he illustrates it. He works it out across three examples, but really it's the one teaching. And what I want to do you first, what I want to do first of all is show you that one teaching as Jesus lays it out in these three areas of Jewish, Jewish religious life such that we might learn it too. We're going to learn the principle. And then we'll tease it out through these three examples, a principle that applies so much more broadly, but is very powerful here. Right, so here is the the framework, the structure, the teaching of what Jesus is saying in these verses. He says, first of all, don't be like the hypocrites. 
Now, you know what a hypocrite is. Someone who says one thing and does another. Someone who pretends, who puts on a mask. And we do that all sorts of times and places. We do it in life all the time. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm okay. All right, when deep inside things aren't okay, we, we pretend we're all good. We can get on with life. Don't be like the hypocrites, Jesus says. Don't put on a show, and in particular, don't put on a show of godliness, of righteousness, of doing the right thing in order to be seen by people. And see, that is what the hypocrite does when it comes to religious life. They do the right thing in order to be seen by others. They're not concerned about the good itself, to do something because it is right to do. They're not even concerned to be seen by God. They're not concerned for God's opinion, simply concerned, am I seen to be doing the right thing by others? And so the hypocrite, the one who does their righteousness in order to be seen by others, receive their reward. They are seen by others. If that's why you do the right thing, well, that's what you're going to get. It's not very much of a reward, is it? It's there in all three of our little sections, right? In verse 2, Jesus says this, whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Or down in verse 5, whenever you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Or down in verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. (laughs) Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't do righteousness, don't do the right thing to be seen by others. Rather, Jesus says, practice your righteousness in secret, where God sees. Do the right thing because it is the right thing, not because you're going to be seen by others. Do the right thing because God sees and God rewards. Again, have a look, verse 3. When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Or down in verse 6, when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Down in verse 17, when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others but to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Here's the principle. Here's the point. Here's the three words that I want you to remember, if nothing else from this talk. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. Now, secrecy doesn't guarantee sincerity. It's possible to do things in secret and still be pretending even to yourself. But it is at least a safeguard. If you are not practicing righteousness in secret, then you can can pretty much guarantee that it is definitely not sincere because you are only doing it for show. Now, Jesus goes to work out this principle, this desire, this 
command to practice your righteousness in secret for the sake of not being a hypocrite. And he works it out in three examples. Now we're going to consider those three examples in turn and it'll help us flesh out this idea as well as fill it out for what we might be doing in our lives. Firstly then when it comes to giving. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. Whenever you give to the poor, he says, don't sound a trumpet. (laughs) Can you imagine that? You're walking down the street and the, the beggar's there, right, asking for some form of help. And you're like, hey, yeah, everyone, just can I have your attention for a moment, please? I'm just going to put a tenner in this hat, everyone, yeah. Right, thank you, thank you, right, oh, yeah. Anyone want photos? Anyone? Anyone want a selfie? I'm here, well, that's a, it's a very silly picture, isn't it? And yet, isn't that exactly what the hypocrite does? Does their righteousness to be seen by others? Gives to be seen. Now, here the giving in particular, I think, is is arms, it's charity, it's giving to the poor. Uh, I think it also applies to other sorts of giving, if you're giving to gospel work or whatever it might be, but that particular giving is what Jesus has in mind, that particular religious work. Now, I wonder if you can think of any modern examples where we do this, where we have people who are giving, and often large amounts of money, to be seen. I could think of a few. I'm sure you could come up with some more. Feel free to shout them at the TV. Uh, I mean, you often see it in on on sort of those uh, donations that people give to hospital wings or to, right, and they're going to do the big unveiling and there's the person with the way oversized check kind of handing it over. And what's the point of that? If, If it's for them to have the money, just give them the money and walk well. It's to be seen, isn't it? So that everybody will know, look what I have done. It makes me wonder about plaques in church. So-and-so donated. Is that necessary? Telephones, right? They're the classic as the lists come up. Oh, so-and-so in such and such a place just gave a thousand dollars to this great cause. You could be like them too. Make sure you give. Uh, Patreon and all these online fundraisers are the classics for that. There's the list of the givers. And there's always anonymous, 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 excellent, excellent, and then the name. Usually number one is listed as who they are because whoever wants to be seen is going to give one dollar more than the previous person so that they get their name in the lights. But it's not just out there, is it? We might well do it at church. To give for the sake of being seen to give. You ever felt that? The plate is being passed around in the church. You can see it coming down aisle, past aisle, and it arrives at yours finally, and it's coming into your pew, hands down, one person to the next, and you're thinking, oh no, everybody's putting something in. I guess I'd better too. And you start frantically, right? You find the coins in your pocket and you put them in. Oh, phew. That made a good rattle. People will think I've given. Now, why do we even think that? Why do we feel that? Well, isn't it because we're concerned about what others think as opposed to doing good for the sake of doing good? Wanting to give to the poor and care for the needy because they need it. And we have wealth that can benefit them. And so we do the right thing because it is the right thing. You see, if you do it to be seen by people, that's your reward. You are seen by people. Okay, that's all there is to it. 
Whereas Jesus says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, which is a very strange picture. What do you mean don't let your right hand know what your left hand I control them both, usually. Right, that one's scratching my face right now. Uh, this one is staying still. I mean, what do you mean don't let your right hand know what your left hand is? Well, I take it he's saying don't even do it to impress yourself. Do it in such a way that you don't get filled with pride over your amazing generosity at giving this money. No, do it for the good of the person you are giving money to. Not even for your own pride. Certainly not to impress yourself. See, there is sincerity. A changed heart that wants to use wealth for the good of others. Now, you might be thinking specifically about this issue of giving. Well, hang on, David. If I spent my life being so generous and giving to so many different people, well, I'm going to be left with nothing, and then what? What's going to happen to me? Well, let's listen to what God has to say. Let's remember that everything you already have is given to you by God. The wealth you currently have, the food you eat, the cars, the clothes, the house, the, the comfort, the life that you live, given to you by God. There's nothing stopping him from giving you more or taking away what you already have. No, in fact, what God wants is a generous, cheerful giver. The one who uses the wealth that God has given them to bless others. You can go and read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 if you like, as Paul spells it out and he says, don't worry. Don't worry as you go about being generous. God knows what you need. He is a loving father who cares for you. And your current life is quite likely testament to that. Don't worry, be generous. In fact, we see in these verses, don't worry because your father will reward you. Now, it's a little bit tricky, okay? How is it generous if I'm going to give money to other people knowing that I'm going to get a reward? It's not really generous if I give you 10 bucks knowing that me giving you 10 bucks means you will give me 50 in return. That's not generosity at all, is it? Our hearts need to be very careful here. We don't do the right thing because of the reward. We do it because it's the right thing. But we do it knowing that as it pleases God, there is a reward. Now, what is that reward? Well, look, directly, we're not told. Not told specifically. Um, what exactly the reward is. There's a reward for giving. There's a reward for praying. There's a reward for fasting in these verses. I can't help but wonder if the reward is a little bit different to perhaps what we might expect. There are plenty of churches that teach that if you give to others, God will give you more money. That as you fast and relinquish your hold on the things of this world, God will provide you even more things of this world even though you just relinquished them. That as you pray, in that moment of prayer, God will activate the power that you are unleashing. And his reward is to accomplish the thing in a way that is extraordinary and more than you could think. Now there's a grain of truth in each of them, but they miss the point. You see, what's the point of the Sermon on the Mount? What's the point of what Jesus is teaching us about how we are supposed to be? Do you remember? We've covered it already. All the way back in chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light shine. Why? That they'll praise you? No. So that your good works, that they may see them and give glory to your Father in heaven. That is what we yearn for. 
That is why we do all this. Because we want God's glory to go forth. Now I wonder if that isn't the reward. That as we practice righteousness, God transforms us to become more righteous. That our character is developed to be more and more like him. That as we practice righteousness, God is both pleased in us and glorified through us. Which is what we want. We, we always see through a hypocrite in the end, don't we? You, you can say, well, okay, you know, if I, if, if, if I, I'll go and give my money and people will see me. You, you know that they're, you, you can see it. How does that give glory to God if you go around doing acts that are righteous in and of themselves, but are clearly done for your sake and not for God's sake? Whereas if we practice righteousness for His sake, then oh, what reward we have to see what we most desire come about. God praised, God glorified. You don't do it for the reward. You do it because it's right. Let me let me illustrate uh, just very briefly. Imagine one day you're down by a river. It's, it's, it's a bit swollen. The floods recently, uh, and and the, uh, the the water's just rushing by, and you see a child has fallen in. And you think, well, I could rescue them. I'm a strong swimmer. I have a rope. I have the. the I, I could jump in. I could pull that child out. You know what? I think I might because I think if I rescue that child, I'm going to get a great reward at the end. I mean, I might not get any money, but I'll certainly get glory and honour. I'll be in the papers. People will be talking about me. Hero rescues child. I'll go rescue that kid. Well, of course, that's not what you do, is it? You jump in and you save him because it's the right thing to do. You may get the reward. You might get the glory and the honour and the praise and your name in the papers, but that's not why you did it. Sincerity that flows out of the heart, that practices righteousness in secret, is because the heart has been changed by God to want to do the right thing. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. Do good for others with the wealth that God has given you for their sake. Second example, Jesus teaches about prayer. Right? Whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They all stand out in the synagogues. They wave around to be seen. They babble with many words, imagining that they're going to be heard somehow because they've talked a lot. No, when you pray, Jesus says, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. You don't pray for the sake of other people. You certainly don't pray to be heard by them. If you pray to be heard by other people, Jesus says, you know what's going to happen? Those other people will hear you. But God won't. We pray for God, to God, because of God, not because of people. It puts me in mind as a biblical example of, of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It's a ripping story. You can go and read it in 1 Kings chapter 18. Uh, as, as Elijah and the prophets have a bit of a confrontation, whose God is real and powerful and strong, and the prophets of Baal spend an entire day chanting and mutilating themselves and whipping themselves into a frenzy, trying desperately to get their God to pay them attention. And Elijah has a laugh and he says, what's going on, guys? Maybe your God's on the toilet. He can't hear you. And then when Elijah's turn comes, he just stands and says a very simple prayer. 
And God answers extraordinarily. Don't pray to be seen. I don't know if you can think of modern examples. TV evangelists. I can't say I watch many of them, but those long, deep, heartfelt, passionate prayers that ooze power and are so impressive and go on for a little bit longer than perhaps they should because the whole time the giving number is down the bottom. What about Parliament? There's a strange one, isn't it? We open Parliament with the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't want them to stop. I like that practice, but it reeks a little bit of hypocrisy when people who clearly don't believe in God are saying that prayer. It can be church prayers. That person who's renowned as they come up the front for just the flowery language and the, the, oh, wow, when they pray, isn't it amazing? Now, again, that's not necessarily bad, okay? I love our prayers and I love that they pray so well. But for the individual, you've got to work out, why do I pray that way? Is, is this how I express my relationship with God? Or am I putting on a show? There's a couple of places in particular that came to my mind thinking about modern examples. Have you ever seen a Muslim turn to pray, turn to prayer? Five times a day as they are required. That's only one hand, not both. Five times, not ten. Five times a day turning towards Mecca, getting out the mat wherever they are, at work, in the shops, right, and bow and pray. Well, Except that they're not really praying, are they? In fact, more what they're doing is the description of what the Gentiles do here because they're just reciting words from the Quran in Arabic. So whether they speak it or not, whether they understand what they are saying or not, they pray? Really? seen by others rather than particularly concerned for God. Or the Hare Krishnas, right, with their mantra, their Hare Krishna, uh, the, the special words that help your consciousness, right? Uh, Hare Krishna, Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare, and, and it just, and you say the same words over and over and over and over again. A prayer, supposedly, for Krishna to remove the bad things of life and fill it with blessing. Literally, Hare is take away Krishna, take away Krishna, take away Krishna, take away Krishna, take him away already, take away Rama. Repeated over and over and over again, thinking that somehow that will help God hear. Mind you, Christians, we, uh, we also sometimes do it, don't we? The all-night prayer vigil. Those Christians we hear of who start the day with three hours of prayer. They get up before the sun in order to be able to get on their knees and wrestle with God. And it makes feel guilty, those of us who pray so little. But also makes me wonder, how do we know that that person prays for three hours every day? Why do we know that? If they do, good on them. But do it in secret, not to be seen by others. We sometimes even do it in our small groups. You know when that prayer time comes around and you're sharing and it's time for different people to share with each other and you're thinking to yourself the whole time, oh, I'm, I'm worried about praying out loud. I, I feel my own inadequacies. Maybe I won't be able to say the words right. Perhaps my prayer will come out a bit stumbled. Maybe other people are going to judge me. I'm really conscious of myself and of other people. 
instead of being conscious of the God whom we are speaking to, the God who knows our needs, the God who, like a father, knows what we need before we ask him. Now, look, this isn't a command to pray only in secret. We're not, I don't think, supposed to take these words literally. Anytime you pray, you must go to your private room, you must shut a door, and then you may pray. This isn't saying you cannot pray in church, you can't pray with other people. There are commands to do all of the above in Scripture. But remember our principle, secrecy safeguards sincerity. The real, deep, genuine, heartfelt relationship with God yearns to pray and to pray in secret, to pray with God, not when there's pressure, not when there's other people that we think will judge us. And so Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. In fact, you want to to model to pray? Just do this. Simple, clear words. Don't have to repeat them in in a fervor and build yourself up into this passionate outworking of everything in order for God to hear you concerned for God's name and God's kingdom and God's honour. Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. That that reality would be true in everything, everything out there, everything in my life. May your name be honoured as holy as you provide what I need, as you teach me to forgive, as you show me the way to live your way, as you remove temptation from me. May your name be honoured, our heavenly Father. Although, mind you, some have managed even to turn the Lord's Prayer into babbling. What a rubbish thing it is. To turn the Lord's Prayer somehow into a payment for sin. Oh, you committed that sin? Well, go and pray the Lord's Prayer six times. As if that's the point. As if that'll somehow pay for sin. As if that isn't the very opposite of what Jesus is saying. No. Secrecy safeguards sincerity. When you pray, make sure you are praying to the Lord God, not for other people. And note that sincerity is about reality. You see those last verses in 14 and 15 about prayer. If you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. This isn't like a a magical thing, right? You forgive, you're forgiven. You don't forgive, you're not forgiven. And, And as you forgive, you're forgiven. As you're not, it's just a description of reality. How could you possibly think that you can go around not forgiving other people and when you come to God to ask for forgiveness, he will see you as anything other than a hypocrite? Sincerity is based on reality. I want to forgive. God forgives me. Well, then the third topic Jesus turns to is that of fasting. Look, it's a topic that we don't particularly talk on very often. Uh, and I'm not going to do a whole lot with it in this talk. Uh, we might do a bit more in the cutting room floor tonight, 7 o'clock on our YouTube channel. Make sure you jump on and we'll do that live. Um, what, what I want to say in this verse is, it's not about if you should fast. This isn't saying, yes, you may fast, no, you may not fast. Yes, you must fast, no, you must not. It's saying, if and when you do, this is how you should fast, how you should fast. Okay, it's not about if, but about how. It's very easy to do it for show, strangely. You'd think fasting is something that nobody would need to know of. I didn't eat. 
Okay, well, I mean, what does anyone else need to know about that? And yet the hypocrites, they make sure that you know. They put on a very glum face, wear appropriate clothing, ash on their heads. Everybody, I want you to know, I'm fasting, I'm doing a good thing right now. It's like the blowing of the trumpet. It's a ludicrous picture. I guess the closest we perhaps do at church is Ash Wednesday, right? A, a day that traditionally for some Christians is a day of fasting. And what do they do? They get some ash and mark themselves with it so that people will know, I'm fasting. I, I wonder as a modern example about the 40-day famine sometimes. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen anyone do it, but back in the youth group days, certainly it was a very popular thing to do, to not eat or to fast of technology or, or something else for these 40 hours. And of course, you ha- people had to know because you had to get people to pledge money for the sake of however long you were going to f- do your famine for. So you had to tell everyone to get pledges. And in so doing, you ruined their sincerity because they had to tell you that they were giving money and you had to ruin your sincerity because you had to tell them that you were fasting. And it kind of seems rather pointless, right? You want to give money? Give money. Why does it have to be done this way? You want to fast? Fast. Secrecy, safeguards, sincerity. As you fast, you receive your reward, time to pray, self-discipline as you practice this, repentance. Do it because it's good. Do it because God sees, not to be seen by others. Don't be like them, Jesus says in verse 8. Don't be like them. Don't do your righteousness to be seen because your Father knows. He sees. True religion, strangely, looks a lot like no religion. If you practice your righteousness sincerely, others will so rarely see it. So much of it happens in secret. Well, I want to finish with a bit of a reflection on how this teaching might help us grow and deepen in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I want to point out a danger, a test and an encouragement. A danger, a test and an encouragement. The danger, first of all, is this, that in our quest to denounce legalism, because we're saying that we are free as Christians, we're no longer bound, we're no longer under a an obligation to do righteousness. Jesus has done it all for us. In our attempt to denounce legalism, the danger is we don't do anything. Well, no, I don't have to do righteousness, so I don't do righteousness. We, we, We hide in secret not all the righteousness that we're doing, we're hiding in secret that we don't do anything that we give nothing, that we pray little, that we fast never, that there is no righteousness in our lives. See, if our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees, and it can because of the sincerity of heart that the Lord Jesus brings about in us, if that is supposed to be our righteousness, well, it doesn't work if there is no righteousness. You can be sincere all you want, but if you're sincerely doing nothing then where is the righteousness? And so, secondly then, I want to suggest a test. Do you? Do you practice your righteousness in secret? Are you sincere in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, here's the test. Do you? Do you read your Bible in secret? Not, do you want to do it? 
But do you do it? Do you pray alone? Do you give charitably and cheerfully? Do you give to gospel work that it might be furthered? Do you dedicate yourself to God's ways when you're alone, when there's no one to see you, when there's no commitment that anybody else could ever hear of? Do you pursue holiness and work really hard to remove impurity from your life, out of your mind, to fill yourself with things that are only good? Do you evaluate your own entertainment and your own choices? When no one else, you're in front of the TV and no one else is going to be there. It's just you and the TV. Do you fight impurity in what you look at? Do you praise God in secret? Do you thank God when nobody else is going to hear? Do you work hard? Do you fight sin? Now, all of this is not supposed to be a burden of guilt laid on you to make you go and do these things. That's not what this is. This, is a, this isn't a, a, um, a, 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 we're bringing legalism back in again and I want to whip you into shape. But it is a test because secrecy safeguards sincerity. This really is between you and God. He is the one you need to do business with. It's not about impressing me. It's about the one who sees it all. And so I want to finish with an encouragement as we think about that. How is it that we're going to deepen our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, definitely and certainly we need to move towards sincerity have hearts that are transformed. That requires us to ask God to do it. But I want us also to see the reward. In each one of these sections, the the righteousness that is practiced in secret is not a waste. God rewards. And it's an astonishing thing that God himself would reward us. what, What joy awaits us as we cheerfully take the wealth that God gives us and use it in blessing for other people. What peace awaits us as we come to a heavenly father who knows what we need and pour out our hearts to him in words that maybe we don't even know. How are we going to say it? it, it it's so deep and hard, and, but it's okay. He knows. We can say it simply. And his peace comes into our life. What opportunity we have to dedicate ourselves to his ways. Oh, what rewards await those who are from the heart, sincere in their righteousness. Friends, Jesus is not a burdensome master. He wasn't one who said, come and I'm going to crush you. No, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, come to the one who doesn't seek to crush you in guilt, but rather gives you forgiveness. And out of that forgiveness wants to lift you up, to transform you, to make you one who gives glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and this glorious picture of us, your children, being promised your rewards of us, your children, being transformed to live out sincerely your ways. 
Please keep us from being hypocrites. Give us the discipline we need to pursue you and your ways. Give us the hearts that are filled with longing for the Lord Jesus, that are filled with longing for your glory, that the whole world would know God is good, God is loving, that the whole world would know you as Father, the one who forgives. Father, through us, may you be displayed. And we ask this in Jesus. Amen.